morning. Sorry for the delay there. Um, so we have finished our course on um, how to defend your faith, focusing on the New Testament texts. And I hope you all gain something from it. And I promised you some surprises at the end. And so this is one of them. <laughs> this is Diana, uh, my friend, and she is our guest speaker for today. <laughs> and um, for some of you, uh, you might know the story, but I'm going to briefly tell it again, just in case I haven't told any of you. Uh, I might have mentioned it the first session we had for this course, but um, I was a Christian for, at that point, two to three years, very on fire for God, um, not afraid of talking to random people. And I would constantly invite people in my university classes to come to essentially small groups. And I was like I am now, I'm still antisocial. I don't like talking to people. So most of the people I invited, it's not like I had a relationship with them. I would just randomly walk up to them and be like, hey, what are you doing Wednesday night? You know, <laughs> yeah. And um, one day I was walking to class and um, Diana was in a lot of my classes, but I'd never spoken to her before and knew nothing about her except that she was English. Um, because we were in Afrikaans University and you know who's English because we used to get the translation headphones. Um, <clears throat> that's all I knew about her. And um, one day I was walking to class and I saw a picture of her pop up in my head and I felt the Lord say, invite her to small group. And I was like, okay, I've done that a million times. And so uh, I sat down in front of her in the lecture hall and while, you know, everyone's buzzing, sitting down, I turned around and I said to her, hi, why do you do Wednesday nights? <laughs> and she was like, uh, uh, nothing. <laughs> and I said, um, cool. Do you want to come to cell group? Cause that's what we called it in South Africa. And she's like, what's that? So I'm, and I'm used to people asking that, right? So I'm like, oh, it's chill. You know, we talk about the Bible, but it's not like intense and it's very friendly and relaxed. And it's not like a preaching session. And I'm used to almost everyone in South Africa being Christian because that's just like the norm, even though they're not like <coughs> dedicated Christians. It's just like the cultural religion. Um, and a lot of denominations are very nervous when visiting other denominations. So when she was apprehensive, my mind immediately went to other church, just scared to come to my church. And um, so she's like, what if I don't believe what you believe? So I thought, oh, another denomination. I'm like, oh, we have all sorts of denominations that come to our church. Don't, don't worry about that. So she goes, what if I don't believe anything and then in my mind I'm like very funny God did you just ask me to ask an atheist to come to our small group um so I'll stop the story there she did come and I would like her to kind of just give um a bit of her testimony like uh how she became an atheist and what it was like encountering Christians who might to her have seemed not very smart because they couldn't 
stand up for themselves, defend their faith, give any kind of logical, reasonable answers to questions, and what it was like for her to encounter a Christian who did have those kinds of conversations with her, kind of stuff like that, because I want you to hear from the other side, because I've been telling you how valuable it is, but I thought to hear from someone who was an atheist and is now a Christian, what it was like for her. So let me see if I can make you big on this TV screen here, speaker view. Okay, go ahead, Diana. Awesome. Hi, hi everyone. Very nice to meet you. I am zooming in from New York on this uh, very cold day. Um, I, yeah, as she said, we went to university together in South Africa, but right now I am in New York. I'm just completing my MBA at Columbia and gonna stay here for a couple more years. So um, yeah, so all the background on how I became an atheist. I, so my, my family didn't really have any religious instruction growing up. So my mom is a uh, Muslim, well, she was Muslim and she was a non-practicing Muslim. So her entire family was Muslim. They're from uh, a small country in Central Asia. And my father is, I would say, uh, I used to think agnostic, but maybe atheist. He just doesn't really believe in anything. So there was no religious instruction at home. I went to, um, I grew up in Zimbabwe, which is where I'm originally from. And there wasn't really, so aside from home, there was not really any other family trying to take me to church or anything like this. Um, I was sort of aware of the concept because people at, we obviously had a lot of religious instruction as you would have in, you know, a lot of uh, developing, or at least in a lot of African countries at school. But I just didn't believe. Uh, one of the other reasons I also didn't believe was I had a tough time growing up, so many issues, which right now seem so insignificant. But um, just thought, you know, how can God, <laughs> how can God be there if I have all this trouble? Um, and yeah, so I just grew up not really believing anything. At some point, when I was in my teens, my mother ended up converting to Jehovah's Witness. And so I did try to check it out. I went to the stuff with her, but I didn't like feel anything. I felt like a lot of the emphasis was on a lot of studying the, the, like the books. They have like a lot of Bible study aid books. Um, and a lot of the emphasis was on performance and you have to kind of get a certain number, a certain number of hours in for like ministry as in like going to knock on people's doors. It was a lot. And so I, I just, yeah, well, I guess I, I went with her for a couple of months and I was like, no, nah, actually, I don't believe because I really just, I don't, I just don't think that God is here. And this, this is a lot. And I was super busy. I mean, I was, um, at this point, so in high school, we focus, we focus tracks. So at some point I ended up focusing in the science and math track. So I was just really busy and I was like, I really don't have time for this and it's not uh, value add. So in, anyway, fast forward, I moved to South Africa for university, um, still don't believe. So living my life, I am, you know, doing what every college student does. And I guess like my main goal is really like graduate, get a good job, become partner or CEO, or whatever it is that I was thinking at that time. And I didn't give much thought to my spiritual life. 
um, I, I was struggling a lot with um, some, I would say, I wouldn't necessarily call them mental health issues, but more like what is the meaning of life then? And it became more apparent when I was about to graduate because I'm like, okay, well now I've done well in school and you know, it's high probability I'm gonna get a real good job and you know, my life is gonna be fine, but like, and then what, right? And I had met a lot of Christians um, along the years. So I think the common denominations I'd encounter were Catholic, um, Seventh-day Adventists, Methodists. My, my best friend, um, still my best friend is a Methodist. Um, and I guess some people from the, the Pentecostal charismatic movement. And every time I said, I don't believe, I guess people gave me some arguments that I felt were, so, so it was very clear that they didn't really understand what they believed. And because I'm naturally like just argumentative in general, it was like so easy for me to poke holes in their stories. Um, and now fast forward to now when, you know, I believe, I actually realize it's because probably a lot of Christians don't actually read the Bible. So they actually don't understand what they believe. So a lot of, a lot of what I would say to them and what they would say back to me is essentially a bunch of it's just a bunch of quotes that you took from your from your pastor or your preacher that are continuously like said in church. And then this seems like a good argument for you to say to someone who doesn't believe. Um, and at the same time, I mean, I, I also, I guess I kind of understood that it is, it's not a academic thing. So I, I don't know that you can ever academically convince somebody to be a Christian. And that, that's actually not the, 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 stance that I take now, even when I'm speaking to other people about Christ. And so, yes, and then so fast forward to my third year, which is the, uh, that's the year that we get our bachelor's degrees in South Africa, so it's one year shorter. And I guess, I think Cassandra had approached me a couple of times and I was like, yeah, whatever. I don't remember exactly what I said, um, but one thing is that I did respect her now, I thought she was intelligent. She did like slightly better in statistics than me. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a silly thing, uh, but I think, I, I think the reason God chose it that way is because he knew how I thought. And because I like mostly placed a lot of emphasis on people's, um, intelligence essentially because it was such a big part of my identity because I didn't have Christ I was like so reliant and you know um, like all these awards and all these praises I would get from like you know being like really good at school and for me like that was like the thing that made a person important and and I think that's why God chose to use Cassandra because in my small frame of thinking that is like the thing that I would respect uh, but I also did find that if we ever spoke about it, it actually sounded like she knew what she was talking about. And it was not just like a bunch of quotes, you know, that you can see on like television ministry or whatever. And one day I, I don't know. So I, I guess like the, the seeds were being planted. And I remember one day I really was having this, you know, what is the meaning of life? 
And I actually did have a Bible at home. I don't know why I had one. I think, yes, I think my mother had given me. So I had the Jehovah's Witnesses translation of Bible. And, um, but I never really read it. And, well, read it at all. And one day I was really thinking about, okay, and so what next? And she, I think she had invited me um, before. So I was thinking about, and she, she had invited me to, to, to um, actually that time, I think it was uh, like a worship night or something that she had invited me to. And I, so I didn't believe in God. And I thought that every time I prayed, nobody's listening. And I was pretty sure nobody was listening. And so that night I said, well, God, if you are real, then show me. Um, and I didn't know if I was, you know, speaking to anyone that was listening, but that's all I said. And so I went to the um, the worship meeting thing with uh, with her. I think it was a couple of days later. And so, yeah. So there was there was a time where it was obviously just like the music playing, and I think the the band playing, and people just doing their own thing, and I was just sitting there. And then for the first time, then I just started praying or whatever I thought was praying. And for the first time, I felt like someone was listening. And I had never ever felt that because I had tried to pray a couple of times and, you know, tried to pray in some very difficult times where I really needed help. And I just knew. And it's, it's very hard to explain this to someone who doesn't already believe because it's like how I know I am a girl or how I know that, I don't know, I'm, I'm a girl from Zimbabwe or whatever it is. It's just like something that I knew that he's there and he's listening. And then I, I broke down in tears. And then at the end of the, so when the, the, the music stopped, some person came up to the front and she said that she had heard a word, which was, um, a scripture which I believe is in Isaiah and at that time I didn't know like what it was that she was saying or if it was a scripture also I'd never seen that and she didn't say she had a word for me she just said it's for someone but she doesn't know so she just stood in front and gave it and I also knew that it was directed at me and and that's that's what's sort of confirming to me that you know someone is listening and so that's the day I decided to give my life to Christ and I mean it's been it's been ups and downs and I, I commonly do change my beliefs and my stances on things but I have never since then even in the most difficult periods doubted that I know that God is there and I think that that experience uh, was also useful for me um, especially that because I then ended up, you know, in my career, ended up working with people who tend to not believe or, you know, um, a lot of um, expats in South Africa when I worked in finance and banking. And then here as well, as you can imagine, Colombia is a liberal school. Almost everyone is an atheist. Um, it's been, I, I think God allowed that experience specifically because now when I do make the case and speak to a lot of people, um, I obviously am sort of aware to do it in a more uh, culturally aware 
way where in New York, you can't just like go up to somebody and tell them about Jesus. But in the cases where I do encounter people, I can actually make a case for my, my, my faith. And that's because, so after I converted, I, um, I studied a lot of sort of like Christian books, aids by myself, but I also read the Bible twice through and like studied it very, um, like very systematically going back to like old translations and like the original words in the original languages. And so I could like actually like academically explain why this thing makes sense. And so now um, it's been very useful for me in this context. And the one thing that I always say to Christians who, or people who maybe grew up in the church but don't believe anymore or something like this is always, to, they mostly have Bibles. And, you know, after making my arguments, sometimes it doesn't really help much, but I always encourage them to just go and read for themselves. Um, and I, you know, I tell them most Christians also don't know what they believe. And I just tell them to go read for themselves, read for themselves systematically, the same way you'd read a, a normal book and see if you still don't believe. And um, I had one friend who didn't believe he had left the church um, and we had had a lot of these conversations. And so I just kept encouraging him, just read the book, just read the book on your own. You know, you don't even have need a Bible study aid, whatever. And um, somewhere along the way, I, I believe it's when he got to um, almost the end of the Old Testament. Uh, that's when he converted. He, he started going to church on his own. I, at this time, I had actually like left the country, going to church on his own, like being more... Um, intentional about his faith on on his own so yeah that that is uh, my experience coming to Christ and happy to answer any questions elaborate on anything I want to give you guys a chance to think if you have any questions um, but uh, <clears throat> Diana skipped a lot of like how God kept like reaching out to her a lot. I don't even know if you remember, Diana. Do you remember the fortune cookie? Oh yeah, what did it say? <laughs> I don't remember what it said, but she, so from the day that I invited Diana that first time and she came, um, I told her, don't tell anyone you're an atheist. Uh, I just want you to see what it's like to be around real Christians. You know, because she she had expressed to me um, at some point how the Christians that she'd been around spoke about all these rules that you had to live by, but behind closed doors didn't live that way. Um, and so for her, Christians were hypocrites. Do you remember that, Diana? Yes. Yeah. And so I wanted her to see real Christians. And I knew that the people I surrounded myself with all lived out their faith. Um, and so she came to small group and at the end of the evening, no one knew she was an atheist the entire time. Um, she, she spoke very Christian-y, so no one even picked it up at all. Um, she even had prayer requests at the end, which I thought was a little funny for an atheist, but <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's like that thing where you're like, oh, well, maybe it works, so I may as well take a chance. Um, but I remember when we left, she said something along the lines of, 
I'm sorry if I'm going to misquote you, Diana. I mean, it's been like 10 years, but <laughs> um, something along the lines of I've never been in a place where I felt included and welcomed as much as here. And so I think that was the first step to her wanting to come back. It's not like she came to one small group and suddenly her life changed. But the feeling of being loved and included, I think, was one of the things that made her willing to keep coming back. Um, even though she didn't convert immediately. And I'm a very strong proponent of not forcing a sinner's prayer on anyone. I think that is the worst way that you can approach things and it makes a ton of false converts. Um, and so with every person I've tried to speak the gospel to, I've always tried to do it over a long period of time. And I trust that there will come a moment in their life where they will want God so bad that they will make that decision, that they will come to me and say, I want it, I'm ready. Um, and so Diana kept coming to our small groups. Um, the thing she was referring to was our evening services at church, which were way smaller. It was 20 to max 40 people. It was pretty small and it was much more free. Um, so we met in a small room and we worshiped for long. Um, we only stopped worshiping when we felt God was finished with us. And then there was a time of prophecy. So anyone who felt they had a word from God could get up and speak. And that's what um, happened with her. And then we would go into the preaching part. Um, so she kept coming to those as well. And I would encourage her, like when she sat there, I would say to her, don't just feel like because you're in a church that you have to sing the words because it's time to worship. I want you to read the words to yourself and think about these words. What do they mean? Like, what if this was true? Let, let, let God sing over you, you know? Um, and her and I as well, I didn't kind of like invite her to church and then just like leave her. We met many times together and spoke about God. Um, she would invite me over to dinner at her house and, and she would ask me tons of questions. Um, we'd bump into each other on campus and she's, I remember one time we bumped into each other at the library and she's like, do you have some free time now? And I'm like, yeah. So we sat down there like in the front of the library and she sat and she asked me questions. Um, and honestly, the whole period of time took months. She didn't become a Christian in a month or two months. It was quite a few months where she asked, at some point she started asking the same questions again and again and again, because I, I think she just ran out. <laughs> and um, before I carry on, maybe, I don't know if you want to elaborate on that, Diana, because I know that you asked me a lot of um, questions that are very typical of an atheist, like if God is good, why does he allow pain and suffering and stuff like that? Um, I think she asked me a lot of creationist questions as well. Uh, I don't remember them specifically. I just remember they had to do with God creating the world, evolution, dinosaurs. How does that whole thing fit in if God is true, you know? Um, and you had mentioned to me something about back then that no one could ever answer you on anything. And I don't know if you want to elaborate on what was going through your mind initially when you asked me those questions and what it felt like to receive answers to them yeah so um 
I think, yeah, so most of these questions came sort of after the, that worship service. And um, I guess I was trying to like figure out stuff and you know, how this like actually works and everything like this. And um, the question is, how did I feel about? Before you converted, you had said to me that um, Christians never can give you answers to questions. And then I said to you, ask me those questions. And over time you kept asking more and more and you actually got answers and you were satisfied with them. Like they, they made sense to you. So what was the difference in having a conversation with these Christians who never could give you a valid answer versus actually having a decent conversation where even if you're not converted in that moment, they're at least giving you something that's a valid comeback, if that makes sense. Yeah, so I, I thought that they were essentially like well-researched, well-thought-through. Um, I think the, the one thing that I had to understand as well in the end is uh, you can make arguments, you know, for and against evolution, for and against how how old the earth is, what the Bible actually does say about the age of the earth. Um, but a lot of it comes down to faith. So I, I did appreciate that the arguments were sort of well-reasoned um, and, you know, had shown some evidence of critical judgment. But I also started to understand that, like, in the end, you, you just, like, believe or, or you don't. And at the same time, atheists and, yeah, atheists, and especially the ones who rely on scientific arguments, choose to believe that. But they, they also know that there are um, holes in their argument. And this is one of the things that I said to you guys way in the beginning. I don't know if you were there when uh, George was still in our group and he had brought up that he doesn't think we need to defend our faith. Like people either believe or they don't, you know, and basically it's God who does the converting. And I totally agree. I knew from the beginning that my arguments would not convert Diana, but they would engage her and they would make her see that Maybe there's something valid to this. You know, this is not a bunch of idiots who don't know what they're talking about. Like, maybe this is worth sticking out. And so, like I said, for many months we met and it got to a point where she, um, she had asked me multiple questions over and over. And uh, the fortune cookie thing, I don't remember what it said, but she she kept asking for signs and i told her god doesn't have to give you a sign he already gave you enough in the bible he sent you me i'm answering your questions like you don't need a sign but she went through a sign phase where she's like i need a sign and i don't remember what she asked but she said something about like she doesn't feel like god is listening or something and then we parted and then she went to a Chinese takeout for dinner, got a fortune cookie, opened it and it said something corny like the heavens are listening or something like that, which she phoned me and she's like, oh my word, this fortune cookie said this. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird that God uses something from an Eastern religion to 
give her a sign. But I'm like, there's your sign. And she wasn't satisfied with it. She still wouldn't convert at that point. And that's why for me, like signs, it's like the Jewish people, right? They kept asking for more signs. And here's Jesus walking around doing miracles all the time. But they're like, show us a sign, show us a sign. So God sometimes honors that and he'll show you a sign. But at the end of the day, you still have to make that, that decision. So it got to a point where there was this day, I don't know if she remembers this either. Um, I feel like she doesn't remember her story. And like, maybe I just loved your story more because I was, this is one of my favorite stories to tell is Diana's story. Um, <laughs> but this one day we we're at her apartment and she, the university is here, then there's a street and then it's her apartment. So literally you walk across the street, right? And she, we had been meeting in her apartment and she'd been asking me questions. And again, they were the same questions I already answered. And even though I had this thing of not pushing people, that day I was like, I'm going to push a little. I'm not going to ask her to say a prayer, but I'm going to make her realize that, come on now, you know that you're starting to believe. Like I can tell that you're starting to believe. So I said to her, I told you in the beginning that I'll never push you and I'm not going to push you, but we've been meeting for months now talking about the same things. You have answers. You're literally asking me the same questions and I keep giving you the same answers. Um, and I'm not gonna force you, but you could literally walk across the street to campus and a car could hit you and you could die and you will go to hell. So you need to come to a point where you're gonna make a decision. You know, you can't keep going in circles forever. And I left and a few minutes later, she calls me and she's like, what the hell? I crossed the road and a car almost hit me. This is not funny. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. But I was yeah. like, I don't know, Diana. I don't know how many more signs that you need from God. <laughs> um, and then eventually that worship night came up and that person gave a prophetic word. And as they were saying it, I knew as well in my spirit, I'm like, that's for Diana. And I'm so glad she knew it was for her because I didn't want to have to go to her and be like, that's for you. Um, and then after that, she just grew more and more. And uh, she and I are very similar. So we, we used to butt heads a lot after that because now we were both on the same page. And so we argued a lot. Um, but it was so beautiful to see that, that process and to see her come to the place where God called her. And that's the whole point of this whole thing that we've done. Your intellectual arguments will not be the thing that saves anyone, but it opens a door to all the people who are intellectual, who are skeptics, who need just a little bit to reel them in so that God can start to work on their hearts. So um, do you have any questions for her? This is your chance, guys. Okay, just speak loud. Can you hear me? I can. Okay. Um, I just wondering how your family reacted to you like converting and, and how they feel about it now and if you know their opinion has changed about anything. So it's been difficult with my family. Uh, my father is still the same, so I also also at the time I converted, I had left home. So pretty much an adult living alone in a different country. So 
Um, I can't say that I have like so many interactions with them trying to convince them or anything. My, my siblings don't really care, it's fine. Because um, they are younger. At this point, they were like much younger than me. My mother is the one that I had a lot of conflict with because she's a very staunch Jehovah's Witness now. And it's almost as if she thought it was better that I was an atheist than to be a Christian that's like in another denomination. And actually, I, I, I when I started, I was sort of like part of charismatic movement, but now I consider myself non-denominational. Um, and we, we have a lot of conflict. And at some point we just agree to disagree. And there is, I mean, she very strictly believes it. And they also study a lot. And my mother also argues a lot. So <laughs> there's like really not a lot that I can say besides like continue praying, you know, continue, you know, trying to be a good child. It's not too argumentative. And <laughs> I, I think that I, I at least appreciate that she kind of has, you know, at least most of the elements of, you know, the story in the Bible. And um, I would say the, the foundation, it would be, and at some point, if she ever wanted to have the conversation again, then I would, it's so much easier than if she was like still a Muslim, right? Because that's like very different. And I, I also don't think about my family in terms of converting them or anything. I, I just focus on loving them and being good to them. And because there's a balance, there's a, there's a point at which like it, I could get irritating to them and then just alienate them further. And I want them to be able to come to me if they feel like they have those questions. So yeah, it, it's been difficult with my mother, but we, just, we just agree to disagree and now we just focus on other parts of our relationship. Okay, I have a question too. <laughs> um, so when you were back in the time when you were asking like Christians different questions and they were giving you what you said, just like, I don't know, whatever a pastor would say in church that sounded like a good answer. Yeah. What were, do you kind of remember some of the questions that you asked and like the answer that you just, like hated the most hearing? <laughs> so let me think. Um, I, so I, I can't really remember specifics. Um, I think a lot of them were to, a lot of the questions that I asked were around, uh, questions around evolution, questions around, the age of the earth. And the thing that I could see is that they, they actually like don't know what the scientific argument is. And then they're just like saying something. So if someone just says the Bible said 6,000 years, so it's 6,000 years. Um, but then I, I never heard it from a perspective of someone who might understand what the other argument is because somebody who understands the other argument would say something like the Bible says 6,000 years, but they also point to the Bible where it says that uh, time is not literal and there's a place in Peter, first Peter I believe where it talks about a thousand years in a day or whatever um, and so sorry si so six days not six thousand years six days um, and I I think that somebody who has both studied the Bible well and understood that scientific argument would be able to point out the very simple fact that 
a lot of the Bible is not literal. And those number of days could really like mean anything, right? And so it could actually align with the, the scientific argument. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff. I mean, a lot of the arguments as well were just around, you know, you need to like behave correctly and, you know, not sin and do this and this to be like accepted and loved. Um, and I would always ask about what about the people in the like Middle East who may have never heard of God because, you know, they would primarily be Muslim or, you know, the people in China who would have grown up around something else and nobody could give any um, sort of satisfying arguments to that except, you know, they're going to hell, which I thought was strange because I, I also recognize right now that I went, I was in a relatively Christian country, but if I was my cousin born in, you know, um, Central Asia where half of my family is from, like, I could easily have turned out a Muslim. And I just felt like a lot of Christians couldn't uh, point that out or explain that except just saying that those people are going to hell, which I didn't find to be a sufficient um, answer. Anything else? I'm sorry if I'm not being like super specific. It's also been many years. <laughs> totally understandable. Yeah. I kind of have another question, but it might not, you might not know how to answer it because I feel like I'm not, I can't think of how to pose it well. Um, but so back when you were an atheist, I guess first off, did you hang around a lot of other people that had, that were atheists too? So I didn't hang around people who were specifically atheists. I think technically they did believe, but they were not like really into their faith. And it was like, I had, so my best friend who's still my best friend, she was, you know, like strictly Methodist, but not really like doing anything Methodisty or not going to church. And we were just all doing the stupid stuff together. Um, even in university, my friends were, I don't know what they did on Sundays, but we just, we never spoke about it. And we just spoke about other things and did whatever we did. So I, I didn't, I can't say I had a friend who was a uh, staunch Christian. And if they were, they never brought it up with me. I was kind of wondering and thinking about like, obviously Cassandra was able to like appeal to your logical brain and stuff. And that was like super helpful for you to yep. start getting on the path of like, okay, well, yeah, not all these people are just like you were saying, like idiots that just believe for no reason. Yeah. But I don't know, I was like in general, I was wondering if, you know, you did hang around other atheists and stuff like what would be something that would, that a Christian could do or say that would be helpful to start them on the path of yep. like thinking that maybe the Bible does have validity and this like religion or this Christianity does have validity as opposed to like turning them further away yep. to the idea, which I know that is still all up to God and like, what he wants to do with your heart, but I don't know if that question makes sense. No, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. So I always think about how Paul said, I have become all things to all men. 
and in my experience still dealing with other atheists so maybe christians who like you know they would like get married in a church but that's about it um it's more about meeting people where they are uh and i think having obviously like relying on uh god's guidance on whatever he's saying about this person but also just i guess having empathy and understanding where people are so there are some atheists for whom it might not be an academic argument maybe they've become atheists because their parents were pastors and then they just had like so much church put on them and now they're like so tired of it and so that argument doesn't work because they actually know all the stuff right and so that's completely something else and then there are some for whom it is you know scientific and you have to know those arguments and there are some for whom so some people actually like like to learn a lot and i guess i was one of those people because i was asking a lot of questions but some people like that doesn't work and so maybe it might just be being around them and them knowing that you're christian um and when the time comes because you, you kind of have to gauge where they are when the time comes then they can you know come to you so i recently read this book um by Carla Harris. She is an American investment banker. She's an executive chairman at JP Morgan. The book is under my um, desk, I'll just again. So it's called Expect to Win. Um, and the book is actually about uh, women in corporate and how to succeed. Um, and she's a woman of color and she's speaking about it from that perspective. But I think it's been, I think God has used her so powerfully because you would think she's just an investment banker or whatever, but she also talks about bringing your full self to work. And so there is like the color who's like the hard driving analytical banker, but she also talks about the color who's a Christian and the color who I think she's a worship leader in her church or something. And she is very active in her faith. And so she, she doesn't hide that in her work environment. And obviously you can imagine like working in New York and banking, like th there is a way to bring it up without being, without trying to alienate people, right? So it's, it's stuff like she talks about if somebody asked her what she did on Sunday, she'll say she went to church. And then if they ask further, then she would engage. But she said she's gotten to a point now where um, people know who she is and what she stands for. And so if they're having marital troubles, as most investment bankers do, or whatever it is, they would come to her for prayer. And then that opens a door to something more. So I, I, I wouldn't say that the approach for all atheists and all non-believers is the same. It's more about like an individual. Um, it's, it's, it's more about individual circumstances and how they perceive it and perceive you. Yeah. So um, that, that's a great book, by the way, if anyone is interested in that topic. It's, it's, it's more around like career stuff, but um, it's also, I, I found it so, so inspiring, even just like moving to the US, knowing I'd be one of the few Christians at school and just knowing that, oh, I can also be like super successful and be a Christian at work and it's fine. <laughs> What's the name of the book again? It's called Expect to Win by Carla Harris. Thank you. She's also got some YouTube, um, some YouTube talks. She's more talking about the career stuff there, but the book go, goes into her faith as well. Diana, uh, we're gonna carry on our Bible study.
for probably another 30 minutes. Um, but I know that you're a very busy person trying to become a millionaire. So you're, <laughs> you're welcome. God wills. <laughs> God wills, yeah. You're welcome to leave us or stay. Um, but thank you so much for taking time out your schedule to speak to us. And uh, it's just very encouraging for me to see that it's 2021. So almost 10 years later, yeah. that you're still a Christian. Um, that's very encouraging to me. And uh, I'm so glad we're in the same country. We're still very far away from each other, but um, hope to see you in Nashville someday soon. So, yep. Thanks for uh, having me and really nice to meet you all. And let me know if anyone's ever in New York, I'm always here. <laughs> Cheers everyone, enjoy your study, enjoy your weekend. All right, bye. bye.